hockey fans, T-Boz is 13-3 here with a top-shelf guest in an unfiltered type interview out on the water in Eagle River, Wisconsin. We've got former national champion, two-time Stanley Cup winner, Craig Ludwig. Mogi. This is really cool. Like JC said, we're out on the water. A beautiful day here in Eagle River. We have Craig Ludwig at the wheel of his brother's pontoon boat. And uh, this is our third take. Uh, we had a couple of snafus on our last couple of introductions. Craig doesn't think that's going to be our last mistake we make. We're going to see what happens. Thanks for having us, Craig. Hey, it's my pleasure. This will be a snafu show. I can see that already. Look at this take four. Huey and Dewey haven't gotten off to a good start here in northern Wisconsin, but here we go. Yeah, and we're going to give a shout out to some sponsors real quick who are responsible for the show. Anyway. They might pull it after yeah, that. they might. <laughs> you better be careful. We got Riverside Bike and Skate. We got Hertel Law, Kelly Heating and Electric, Dooley's Pub, Markin and Johnson, Northwoods Therapy, and we've got Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, which has been committed to the healthcare needs of patients in western Wisconsin. Since 1954, the orthopedic surgeons and athletic trainers serve many area schools and have repaired both Mogi and I on multiple times at our elderly age. Mogi. Oh, yeah. It, uh, that's, that's a fact. Uh, we're hoping not to get back there, but uh, if we do, we know we're in good hands. That's for sure. Uh, Craig, let's start out. What are you up to nowadays? Um, you know what? Like right now, currently, this moment, I am home and... Um, Taking the summer off and uh, pretty much just trying to rebuild in a, a garage that my dad had built a long time ago and trying to turn it into a cabin so we have some place to stay here for a couple months in the summer and uh, one in the, uh, I'll be back here for Christmas. Um, last year was the first time in over 30 years I made it back home for Christmas. So I plan on doing that. Kim and I will be here from, you know, now until me It's probably gone first, but um and then I get to be back to Dallas on the uh, 28th of August. Uh, uh, we have a AAA major midget uh, U18 team. And so Dallas Stars Elite, and we travel around the country, play 60, 65 games a year with them. And um, so we're, I enjoy that, you know, working with the kids and trying to get them over the hump. And, you know, ideally, if we can get, a, get them into school, get them some kind of college and Further their career, whether it's a North American League, the USHL, D3, D1, um, we're just trying to – ideally, I think for us, if we could get them into college and maybe get them a scholarship and something like that, parents would be kind of happy if they could that, do something yeah, like absolutely. that. So yeah. that's that's kind of what I do all winter long and you know do some, some little media stuff here and there, but um, I enjoy this part of it right here. Well, when you say media stuff, let's give a little shout-out. You've got your own podcast as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fittingly, it's called Suds with Luds. Uh, so, <laughs> as as we all grab our beer here, and take a drink, okay, our hockey pops, boys. <laughs> I don't have my. I got to get my koozie on. I'm, I don't have the proper koozie. I'll take care of that next. Um, yeah, you know what? It, there was a there's a big radio station back in Dallas, and it's called the Ticket, and uh, they they call him the Old Gray Wolf. One of the guys that actually created it has been involved in it in over thirty plus years. Stepped aside a couple years ago, apparently. Started doing a podcast out of his basement. Just him, very well-known, billboards in the city of Dallas. Had an idea, and him and some other people, and how do we get one guy from each sport in the Metroplex? And so Nate Newton does the football side. Uh, Derek Harper does the basketball side. Kevin Mench from the Rangers does that. And then I'm the hockey guy. And so, um, you know, we all try to do a weekly thing. And uh, mine's called Suds with Luds. Um, I have a 
whiskey sponsor, and so it's kind of it all kind of fell into place. But I enjoy it. You know, I it, it's I don't know how it is with you guys, but I my biggest hurdle is when you think you know all of these people that you can get to do a podcast. It happens quick. You got them all. Then all of a sudden you're going, well, who the hell am I going to call next? You know, and you kind of get down down that road. Yep. So I'm trying. I want to get where it's not all hockey related. For the most part, it's been hockey related. Um, I'd like to kind of get away from that a little bit and, you know, still have a hockey thing there. But you don't have to talk about hockey all the time. So we'll see how it goes. It's go- It's fun. I mean, I enjoy it. I just, During the season, it's a little difficult. Sometimes you got to do it in the hotel room. You know, oh, sometimes sure. you got to do it after practice, before practice. But yep. I, I enjoy doing it. Nice. So let's talk about, you grew up in Eagle River, Wisconsin. <clears throat> I remember playing against you as a youth from coming down from the UP. You were a standout player, even at that age. You you were dominating the rink, uh, solid defenseman. What age did you start skating, and uh, why did you pick that, that position? I, I, I don't know if I picked it. Um, th- well, when I first started skating, it was apparently nine months old. And I think my dad had the little strap-on... <laughs> double blade things that he put on my shoes and stuff like that. That's that's what I've been told. I don't know if that's true, but so I started really young. Um, you know, and and for me, big pet peeve of mine of all the hockey that goes on now and how many kids are out there and all the specialized coaches and stuff. I was a three three four sport sport guy, and and I'm now. Unfortunately, they they start earlier. The season start earlier. All that kind of stuff, and they we don't. That one of my big pet peeves is that I. I Sometimes we don't know if they can be a baseball player or a soccer player or a football player because they start so young and kids are going 10 months a year. And that's what you do when you're getting paid to play this game. You know, you should be able to play other sports. But, but again, I understand it. Um, And you know what? I just, small town, um, there were other guys that were better than me, in my opinion, here and, and local high school and things like that. They just maybe didn't find the right path. I've just always been, I felt I've always been in the right place at the right time. We're teams and I've kind of fit that and I've, I've known who I was as a player, I think, and I don't get outside of it. And I, I stay that and that's my little niche and that's how I went about my business. So growing up here, you played hockey. Um, hockey, obviously, Wisconsin versus Minnesota and Michigan, a little bit little bit behind, I would say, and I don't think anybody would argue that. Nope. But uh, Northland Pines at at the time when you were playing was was quite a force to be reckoned with in the state. Yeah, we. I, I th- first off goes to the coaches. I mean, my my dad was a coach and got by the name of Jack Staskoff, Mark Hainanen from the UP um, high school coaches that I had. Uh, Bill Mundell um, was one of my first coaches high school we had we had really good coaching and we had a lot of support you know i mean from the parents to the local all the people and around here and um i wish i could turn the camera on so i could show you guys what a slow no wake doesn't look like with the sea dew come flying at us right now but anyway um uh you know i can remember going to calumet all the time and we got our ass kicked we, we got it handed to it. And so I, I think that was good for us, you know. Um, and we were the kind of – we had just enough kids to make a hockey team here. You know, we went to state and things like that. Didn't do well at state. Um, but uh, I think it was all learning experience. And I think some there were a lot of us that were competitive. And when we were getting beat by teams out of Madison with – you know, had a lot – obviously a lot more to select from. and um, But it was all good for us. I mean, I think I think as a group, you know, going back to our high school guys, 
everybody was competitive. And, and again, we all played different sports. It wasn't, we weren't just hockey players. We were baseball and football and track and, and everything else and no basketball, but, but we were, we were all competitive in all our sports. And so, um, I think that's really what helped all of us, you know, whether you went on to play D3 or juniors or, you know, fortunate for what I did, but we were, we were the underdogs and I think we, we, we kind of chewed on that. So, Good athletes, obviously. Yeah, all, all yeah. the guys. So now you've been there. You you know you played high school hockey. You played in college. You played pro. Do you think being a multi sport athlete helped you? Huh. I I'm I'm a huge fan of that, and I believe in the the hand eye coordination and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The physical side, the balance of it, and you know just your stability at playing in all different kinds of sports. So, but but I also understand. You know, it's a specialized. I mean, sports are specialized now. They, I mean, again, I know it costs the parents. They they got to spend a lot of money for you know teachers and coaches and special coaches and things like that. Um, but everything has become sports specific now, and the training and even with our guys. I mean, you know, they got to go upstairs every day in our rink upstairs three four days a week and work out with the guys and do special things. And so. Um, I get, but like I said, I get it, and and everybody needs an edge, and it, the the sport hockey has grown and grown and grown. I mean, you watch the kids in the NHL right now; it, it's it's amazing. And again, I'm the guy on the other side of the coin. I'm not crazy about the rules. I, I wish there were back to where they were a little bit when I played. And I'm not saying it's got to be some of the same stuff, but I love the physicality of the game. Um, you know, and there is some yet in it. Playoffs, I, I enjoy playoffs. Regular season, yeah. you know, now, and, that, and that's okay, too. But um, but I'll tell you what, I, I enjoy watching these kids, what they can do, you know, with the puck and their skills, their skating, their stick handling ability and things like that. But I, I would like to see some more physicality. But then I also understand the audience now, too. I don't think that they're dialed in to the physicality, is it probably the, the fan of yesterday. Sure. So they enjoy sure. it. And, yeah. and the numbers will tell you that. I mean, when you look at attendance around the league, and so you can't argue with any of that. Right. Would you want to see the red line come back into play? Uh, if I was playing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I because again, I think it lends to the speed and skill of the yeah, game. I, I really do. I'm yeah. worried at some point they're gonna they're gonna take the blue lines out. You know, I mean, and you know how that is. They every year there's all these people that have different ideas how to do this and how to do that. Should there be, you know, should we be playing three on three? Should it go to a shootout and all these things? And I, I think that's great that there's people that are thinking how to improve the game, but I'm also the guy that, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, but I think it's a, I think it's a super exciting game right now, way more exciting than when we played for sure. And, you know, again, our games, at least the teams that I played with, even starting with North Dakota, from North Dakota to Montreal, Minnesota, Dallas, I played in the same kind of system, and for such a long time, it was a 3-2 game. I mean, our, our scores were 2-1, to 3-2, and that's what it is. And so now, you know, the, the game isn't over anymore when it's, when it's you know, 2 to nothing in the third period. You know, there could still be four goals coming up. So, I, And I enjoy that. I, I, I like that part of the game. But as far as I'm concerned, leave it just the way it is right now because I'm not involved in it anymore. So you mentioned North Dakota. So you finish up at Eagle River. What were your plans after high school? Yeah. Well, <laughs> none. That's none. <laughs> Zero. Okay. I'll tell you. So we need a bigger chain if we're going to go down this whole story here. <laughs> and we're going to need more beer. Um, I, I was very fortunate. Again, I go back to that. But I did have an opportunity with the University of Wisconsin. And okay. Badger Bob 
called. I had I had letters here and there for D three schools and things like that, and so that I figured that maybe that's what I'm going to do. I had tinkered around with maybe playing football, and then I kind of looked at some of the guys that were playing football, you know, in college. I'm like, dude, I ain't that big, and then, you know, I um, so, but I did have a. I got offered a thing to go to Wisconsin, and a couple weeks later. And I got a phone call, and it was like, uh, Mr. Ludwig, how you doing? I said, hey, coach, very good. How's it going? He goes, really good. He goes, are you aware that in uh, the University of Wisconsin, we had a great point average here of 2.5 to be eligible to play sports and all this other kind of stuff? I said, no, sir, I didn't know that. And he goes, well, son, you're not even close. And I'm like, oh, is that right? (laughs) 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 Okay, well, that makes sense. And so that went out the window. And then, um, you know, I I didn't know what was going to happen. I I actually went to um, Superior. And the coach at the time was Gary Harker, and oh, sure. yeah. Gary was a coach here in our hockey school. And I, you know, ran, helped, you know, work, push pucks around, stuff like that. I went with uh, a friend of mine and went to Superior visit the school. Had lunch at a big boy, and you know, coach was talking about you know this would be a great school, and I, I see that you love industrial arts and shop and mechanics. And I said I do. He goes, we're really good school for that. And I said, yeah, yeah. And and he and somehow it came out like. I'm not sure if you can make our team, but this would be a good place to go to school. And I really didn't get pissed off a ton about what people say, and I kicked my buddy underneath the table. And um, he got up, Gary got up to take a piss or whatever. And I said, Jack, we're getting the fuck out of here right now. And he goes, what? And I said, fuck him. So we just left. And I got home in the summer. And we were, uh, I guess it wouldn't have been the summer because the national championship was on. And it was Minnesota was playing North Dakota. It was at the end of the second period, and I was over at one of the former coaches, Jack Saska of Senior's house. And I had said, I turned around, my parents were there, his brothers, and and I said, whoever loses this game, I'm going to go try out for that team. To this day, I can't tell you where that came from. I have no clue. I have no clue. And Minnesota won. And, and it just so happened, which I didn't know any of this, Jack Saska, one of my coaches, had gone to school there. And in the 60s, and knew Gino. He called Gino and said, hey, I got this kid here. He wants to come try out for the team. And so I really wasn't even sure if I was going there for football or hockey. And and I walked on and, you know, then made that team and won a championship in our first year. So really that's and, – and I can't explain it. I've told that story I don't know how many times, and I honestly don't know why I said that at that moment. I I, I never really – I never really thought in my, in my own mind I could play that level of hockey because I was getting – D3 offers, you know, we played in Mosinee and Stevens Point and Rhinelander, which had a brand new team. And we, when we went to state, we didn't do very well at state. You know, I remember playing against some of them guys. And I'm like, holy shit, are these guys good? I, I know why we're not winning games here. So I never really thought I could play at that level. So I I honestly have no idea why I said that. But, you know, like I said, I, I've been in the right place at the right time in, over my career. Yeah, that worked out for you for sure. A national championship, your your freshman year, and then and then also you had a, you had a second championship. So obviously you were bringing something to the table. For, for most of us, we know that you were one hell of a shot. Well, it wasn't it it wasn't an education. It wasn't I wasn't going to be a scientist or anything like that. So I wasn't bringing that to the table <laughs> because I will tell you when I got to North Dakota and after the first semester. Call from the coach. I was doing uh, something there, and he goes, uh, come on into the office, and he talk to you. And I got in there, and usually that never meant good things for me right. when somebody wanted to come and talk to me like that, which I've had a few of those phone calls. And <laughs> he goes, um, you know what our grade point is? The whole grade point thing came up again. <laughs> Do you know what our grade point is? 
And I said, actually, I do, because I knew it was 2.0. That's how I got into that school, not the other one. And he goes, he called me Looter. Looter, yes, it is. And he goes, you're not even close. And I'm like, I heard that before, too. <laughs> he goes, your grade point average is .08 right now. And he asked me, he said, why the fuck are you taking all these courses? Like history and all these big courses on there. And I said, coach, because I didn't know when I came to school, I had to go into the the place and sign up for all my classes. I had no place to stay, no housing, nothing. And I said, coach, they're all required because the te- the the lady that helped me there when I was signing up, she goes, son, what do you want to do? What are you coming to school for? And I said, chop. And she said, oh, you mean industrial arts? I said, no, no, no. I said, chop, like woods mechanics. She goes, son, that's industrial arts. I said, no, ma'am, I don't want to paint or nothing like that. I just want to do, I didn't realize that that's what industrial arts are back then. So, but all the classes on there said required. You have to, this is your required to, I didn't know it was at the end of your career, but I took all of those classes my first semester. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. And I probably could have done better if I had actually went to them classes, but I didn't at the time. And so we had that talk. And so then, you know, then it, then I understood and I had to, you know, do a little bit more. And then I got, um, I was, again, the nicest thing for my parents where I, they gave me a full ride after the end of that thing. And so that's how, that's how it all planned out. And then we get to the end of the year. We win that national championship. Another one into the locker room. Gino comes in and says, Luter, I want to talk to you. Calls me out in the hall. He goes, I don't want you to think about leaving. You're not going anywhere. I said, Coach, what are you talking about? He goes, no, you know, so many guys want to go and play pro and all. I said, no, dude, I'm not going to play pro. I'm good. I go to go work at the hockey school in the summer. We ain't got enough water to tell this story, I know. but um, No, you keep going. This is good. <laughs> I, go to, I go to the hockey school in the summer. He calls me up. Again, I'm working at the hockey school. And we went out during the hockey school. And I thought, oh, shit, I'm in trouble again. So I go to the office, sit down. He goes, hey, I want to talk to you. I said, yep. And he goes, how's it going? I said, everything's good, coach. Um, he goes, I just want to let you know you've been drafted. And I said, oh, really? And he goes, yeah. And he says, you've been drafted in the third round. I said, okay, cool. And we talked for a couple minutes, and I got up and started to walk out. And he goes, don't you want to know who drafted you? I said, oh, yeah, who was it? And he goes, Montreal. I said, oh, yeah, good one. And I just walked out. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like I'm going to play for the Montreal Canadiens, right? right? <laughs> and it was funny because then we go to my third year, my last year there, and we win the championship. Luter, come out here. I want to talk to you. <laughs> like, Holy shit, this is getting to be. You should have had your own desk in there. And he said to me, he goes, you remember the last time we won a championship talk, talk we had? I said, yep, I do. And he goes, I want you to meet somebody standing on the hall. And there's this big guy down the hall, and it was Bill Waters. So, you know, Toronto, he was an agent at the time. I want you to meet your agent. I said, my agent? And he goes, yep. And he goes, we got no more classes for you to take. It's time for you to turn pro. And I said, okay. <laughs> Went down by my agent, and that was it. Oh and that was done. God. Yep, that was it. So that was my career at North Dakota. So, but but again, I was in the right place. They played similar. You know, they played that style. My my very first year, you talk about blocking shots. Rick Wilson, who I then I had Rick Wilson throughout my career um, as an assistant coach, as a D coach after practices, he would line the D up. He would stand at the blue line. We'd skate to the you know from the faceoff dot, and we'd skate out in the middle of the slot, and he'd be drilling shots at us. And so we were learning how to block shots, and so that became part of who I who I was supposed to be. And when I got drafted, when I when I left Gino's office that day. He said to me, so many guys that get drafted, and when they leave and they go to camp, they try to do other things, and they try to be this and try to be this. He goes, they drafted you for a reason. They know who you are. You're going to fit into their system, and you should be able to play there. And so I've never forgotten that. And that's 
I just kind of figured out who I was and I trusted in all my coaches saying, this is who you are. Like, and I've seen other guys try to step outside of that. And, you know, and then I hear, like, I hear coaches and I, and I hear them talk to players and like, dude, that's not who you are. Like, you know, if you don't do this, you're not going to be in the lineup. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm listening and I got it. And so that I kind of stayed in that lane. I found my lane and I stayed in it. Let's talk about the iconic shin guards. Did you get those in college or high school? When I got to UND, Dave Cameron, the tra- the trainer, rookies, your wall's over here. That's where all the used stuff were. I got those shin pads and my shoulder pads that day. And they were used, used both my shoulder pads and shin pads, and I used them my whole career. They are actually in – I got them – I found them. They're in a case, and they're at my place right now. Oh, oh yeah. We're, we're going like, to be getting a picture like of those. Yeah, yeah they're, 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 they're not pretty. It's not pretty. Well, at 20 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a long yeah, time. It's not pretty. And, and the funny thing is about the shin pads, uh, years ago, probably three, four years after I got done, I got a letter from the Hall of Fame. And they had asked – you know, we'd like to have your shin pads. And I, at the time, my kids were like, Dad, we want to use your shin pads. I'm like, you guys ain't using these things. And when you see them, you'll know why. And I just said, no, that's not happening. <clears throat> so anyways, I didn't return the letter. Then I got another letter. And then um, then I didn't return that letter. And then I got a phone call. So-and-so, Mr. Lee, I don't know if you received it. I said I did. And um, I said, no. I said I told him the whole story about kids. Then I got one more phone call. And I said, I'll tell you what. You guys can have the shin pads if you take me. I haven't heard back in 20-some years. So <laughs> that was one way to get them for, to stop sending the letters and calling. But, but, again, my kids wanted them and stuff like that. I have no idea. I don't think they want them anymore. But they're in the, they're in the trailer in, a, in an old plexiglass glass case right now. So you wore them for 20-plus years, yep. and our understanding is they'd crack. You'd yep. put more duct tape on them. Yeah, I, had, I still have... Uh, scars and after games, I remember the very first game. I, I looked down at my skates. I was getting undressed, and my, I had a bunch of blood in my socks. When I pulled my skate off, and I thought, I don't remember getting hit or sliced with a skate or nothing like that. But when I took my shin pad, I couldn't get it off because some of the plastic had broke and stuck in my shin. Oh. And so I went to the trainer and I said, "Smitty, dude, you got." He goes, "You're getting new pads." I said, "No, I'm not. I don't want new pads. I I hate new stuff." And so what we did is we took that plaster Paris stuff. You know that when guys. Get hit Cass, and he'd yeah. dip it yeah. and he mold it around. So he put that on there and then he'd rivet it on there. And so everybody accuses me of doing things with my Glenn Sather sent a letter to the NHL after we beat him our fourth time in Edmonton in the playoffs and said that there needed to be a rule for shin pads. Bob Ganey gave me the letter, so he goes, Yeah, they're trying to put a rule in. I never made my shin pads, but when that that bigger, when shin when that plaster Paris stuff cools, it expands. And so it kept pulling my pads further and further apart. And I kept trying to get them tighter and tighter so what we put that on there i put duct tape on there and there's still the the blue duct tape is still on there from when we played st louis blues i usually try to get the colored duct tape of the team that we were playing in the playoffs <laughs> and stuff like that so whatever reason that's still on there so, so you so, mentioned the hall of fame letter okay for your for your shin pads and you're in the wisconsin hockey hall of fame yep. obviously you should be congratulations that's because it's in eagle river well any sniffs from <laughs> there's the, a lot of spare space in there too any, i think any sniffs from the u.s hockey hall of fame i, I can't believe you're not in there I don't, I, I, you know what, it's a numbers thing and, and I get it. I mean, there, there are so many guys that, that deserve to be in there from a numbers standpoint. I didn't have any numbers. I mean, I, but you that's know, you, not who you were. I appreciate you saying that, but you know, maybe if it was an Eagle river hall of fame, <laughs> even though it is an Eagle river, <laughs> um, but no, I, I really do understand. I, I understand 
the Hall of Fame now and the you know the big Hall of Fame we're talking about and all of them. I I get it and. And I think as you go forward, it's going to be more and more about numbers, you know, because that's where the game's going now. I mean, yeah. now guys are scoring 80 points in a season that if you played back when I played, they wouldn't get 30. You know, or if they did, they, their wrist would be broken or an ankle would be broke. You know, so it's different. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I understand that. And I, I just wish, I think, from from the role that I played, and this isn't for me, I understand when you're, one of the reporters came up to me a couple of years ago and he goes, do you realize in 1986 when you and Chelly were partners, you finished fourth in um, Norris voting? I'm like, what? And so he showed me the thing or something like that. And I'm like, really? That's because I played with Shelly. And Shelly won the Norris Trophy that year. So maybe that's probably why. But I wish there was another award right now. I mean, you know, Eric Carlson gets 101 points this year. And he's and he's not. I mean, he's a good defenseman, obviously, an offensive guy. And, yeah. But he's not Larry Robinson. You know, he's he's not though he's not Ray Bork. Those guys had both sides to their game. I think that's what a Norris Trophy is for. But again, that's changed. So maybe they develop or they they find another way to give a defensive defenseman. I don't know what it's called, blue collar award, third star, four star award, whatever. But I would like to see that. So, but I I get the Hall of Fame and I understand where they go number wise and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, but now if I but if for some reason, act of God, I get in, apparently this is, well, I'm going to have to take another boat ride. I'll be paying for you guys to come up here because, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby. yeah, yeah. We'll see if you guys make it back from this trip right now. <laughs> That's true. Well, I'm going to be reloading here in a second. Yeah, we but can't I got plan the next trip you. yet, right? <laughs> as, as those shin pads were expanding, did you have to skate bull-legged for a while? I was wondering no. if it changed your stride. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what happened, though, is I didn't, question. it didn't change my stride. And I've always had a bad stride anyways. My legs were always far apart. And I, and I think that's. From a standpoint, if you want to play a physical game, you have to know that you are supposed to get hit back. And when I played, you did. If you took a run at somebody, you were getting hit back. And that's just the way it is. So I was always prepared to get hit. And so I think my stance, and that maybe that's football also, but my stance was always wide because I knew if I had to play that kind of a game, I deserved to get hit too. And I was always ready. I, I knew guys would come and hit you from behind. It didn't matter if you were three inches from the boards or on the board. You know, it was a little dirtier and things like that. Yeah. So, and I try to tell my kids that. And my youngest one was the one, and he's obviously, or ironically, he was the smallest of the three, but man, he was the toughest. And, and he's tough and he loved to hit and he could knock guys out and he could fight. But I always told him, I said, you want to play that way? I'm just going to tell you, you know, there's going to be a lot of people ringing your doorbell. Yeah. And and he got his bell run a couple times because of that. And But so I, you know, I knew that that was part of the game, but I had kind of a wide stand. And it, if you watch any of the black and white clips of me playing, like my legs are far Listen, I didn't have to skate. I, I played with Chelios. I played with Larry Robinson. I played with Sergei Zuboff. If the puck touches my stick, I had the two-second rule. If you have it any longer than two <laughs> seconds, there's a fucking problem here. So it was going to Zuby. It was going to Chelly. It was going to Larry now. And then they were smart enough to go, man, I got no other options but to give it to Ludwig. It would go up off the glass, and they would throw it out. I mean, it was the best play of all. And that, that, you know, we were coached like that. So, But, yeah, my, my stance, my, my skating stride was my skating stride. You know, And so my the pads really didn't hit that. But when they did, I'd, I'd look down, and one of them would be straight ahead. Because when they turn and they get caught, it was like a sail on the wind. When they turn and they, my my pads were like facing this way, and so I knew it was time to get off the ice. I had to get off. You don't and want to take a shot with your again. shin exposed like Not, that. I did a couple times, but no, I I didn't. Uh, that wasn't ideal. <laughs> you get uh, you get drafted by Montreal. North Dakota says, "Hey, there's no more classes for you. We got to keep that 2.0 average going for you." <laughs> so so now you step into an original six team. Yeah. And you mentioned Hall of Famers. 
What was that like from a young kid from northern Wisconsin stepping into that locker room for the first time? That's scared shitless. And the thing is, is the the one thing that I had said, yeah, don't lose those notes. You you have no clue what kind of questions to ask me if you don't have your notes to look at. (laughs) Um, The one thing that I always said, if I ever did play pro, and all these guys that I played with, in North Dakota, there are so many guys that came out, played pro, Smaler, Taylor, all these guys. But they always go out and buy a car, which isn't answering your question right now, but I'll get there. All right. And so I said, I'm not, and I got 60 grand my first year, Canadian, 54% taxes. So I might as well have been on food stamps the way it was going from there to there. <laughs> and and so I got I got like a $30,000 sign bonus. So I was in Wausau, Wisconsin, from my, driving from my buddy's place. Sure as shit, I drive by a car dealership and I buy a Mazda RX, ZX, whatever it's called you know, fancy little tiny sports car. I, and I driving it back and I'm like, shit, I said I'd never do this. So I get to Montreal and um, my very first preseason game that I'm going to play in, I'm one block from the forum and some frog, some French person drives through a red light and T-bones me. I go oh. out the passenger window. I take the shifter off. The only thing in the car is my left foot. Oh. <clears throat> and I'm I'm a block from the form. Ambulance comes and all this other kind of stuff. And I said, "Hey, I got to get going. I got a game." I walk into the in the training room. That's my very first preseason game. And Gaetan Lefebvre, you know, holy shit, my face had you know just a little blood and stuff like that. <laughs> just a little he, blood. <laughs> uh, he, he says, uh, "We got to go talk, coach." And I said, "Okay." Walk in, and um, it was uh, Bob Barry was our first coach. And uh, I didn't say Barry before. I was talking about college today i nope. said gary harker didn't i okay yeah. I, don't, I always get them too mixed up anyway barry looks at me and he looks at his watch and he goes warm-ups in 15 minutes and and i go okay and so the trainer he goes coach he just had a car accident out here and he just fly through his window and all this other kind of stuff he goes look at me he goes you want to play i said yep i want to play and so I, anyway i got in my first preseason game oh, then we get to then we get to game one of preseason or sorry of the nhl season in montreal the first problem is I hear my name called in the locker room. I'm like, Ludwig, like starting the game? I don't know who it was again. I'm starting. So then I get out there. National anthem plays. Fuck, I forgot there were two national anthems, right? And so I take off. I bolt right out of there. I, I hear that we were playing an American team, right? I think it was Boston, to be honest with you. Man, I, I start skating towards the goal, and I'm like, everybody's kind of looking around like, oh, shit, I forgot about the other anthem. <clears throat> so so I uh, get back in. They drop the puck, and it's it's Pierre Mondu, Steve Shutt, uh, Flower, Lafleur, and I'm Larry Robinson with Larry. The faceoff comes to me. I give it to Larry. I skate right off the ice. That it was five seconds. I skate right to the bench, and the pricks won't let me in the door. Oh, oh they're holding the door. I'm trying to get my leg over the board, and they're pushing me right back out there. And by the time I got back in the play, I got to center ice, and somehow the puck came to me, and I was at center ice. I dumped it in. I changed again, and they're all kind of banging their sticks, and they left me off the ice. So, so, but it was a, but again, it was the same kind of thing. Like when I got there. I was told, former Wisconsin guy, Hall of Famer, uh, I, I'm assuming he's in the Hall of Fame Wisconsin, something like that, um, John Newberry. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, we, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a big brawl between North Dakota and Wisconsin. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, Noobs and I were kind of in that middle on the bench, and then I actually grabbed Bob Johnson, if you can believe that, of all people. He had me by the throat. I'm thinking, this is the prick that took, no, God rest his soul, <laughs> that's not what I meant by that. This is a guy that gassed my, <laughs> my bull ride thing. <clears throat> anyway. 
when we get to camp, they put me in a room with Newberry. We were roomies. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. And he was a confident player. And he should be. He was a great player, right? And I remember the very last, uh, it was the final cut, came back to the room. Noob says to me, he goes, hey, man, don't worry about it. You're not going to be in the minors long. I'm sure you're going to be back up here with us, you know, so-and-so. I said, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm, you know, that'd be great. Very next day, get there. He's heading to Sherbrooke or Nova Scotia, oh, wherever it was, and I'm still there. Yeah, so. Bye, noobs. <laughs> yeah, see you later. <laughs> see you, Johnny Boy. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think they put us in the room together because of what happened. Because Claude Ruel, who was one of the big scout and big, big time guy in Montreal, he was at the games all the time. And he was following me, I think, and, you know, at our games and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, again, I just look at some of that stuff was all by design. I think that was their way of testing players and, you know, what can they fight their way through? How do they dig in and all this other kind of stuff. So, um, but anyway, my first year was eye opening, you know, but, but again, I remembered what Gino told me. They want you for that. Jacques Leperrier was our coach and he, and his first thing, first practice, we're doing drills and they took tape and they made a square. If you're in your own zone at the blue lines, both sides, took a square and tape, put it about ah, three feet inside the blue line. Okay. Do a drill, dump a puck, and skate behind the back of the net. Hit that square. I'm like, this is right up my alley here. He goes, <laughs> he goes, Luter, the friend is your glass, or the glass is your friend. The glass is your friend. He'd say that to me on the bench all the time. The glass is your friend. And so I'm like, oh, this is this is cool. And the forwards were fine with it. I mean, so it was like, get the puck out, get it out. You got somebody. So again, kind of fell into my wheelhouse. Get in front of a couple pucks, play you know physical in front of your net and in the corners. Give it to the right people, do your thing and kill penalties, and you're good. And so it just I just stayed in that lane. You mentioned blocking shots, which begs the question: Do you have more block shots than your goalies? <clears throat> I doubt that um, because when I'm on the ice, there's a lot of shots against. You know. <laughs> I'm not a guy that holds my blue line well. Um, that was another reason I think you blocked shots because I wasn't, I didn't have the skating ability to, to hold the gap as well, you know. So I would give them room, but I, I, I found a way to get in. I think what happens is I'm into tendencies. I, I, I try to tell our players all the time when you when you walk into the rooms and you know the other team's lineup is on the board, right? <clears throat> you see that in the mornings, and I ask your players why that like that, and. Um, They'll give you all the right answers. And I said, you know what? For me personally, I will go through every single player on there and I know what their tendencies are. Not the defense as much as the forwards. I know who likes to shoot, who likes to curl up. Do they like to go to the middle? Do they did they come across the blue line, let it go? All those kind of little things. And so I was a guy that went, I know what their plan A is. Brett Hull was a perfect example on the power play. When Hully wasn't on his one-timer side, he was so disinterested, wanted nothing to do with it. He wanted to get it over here, so I'll be over here and feed me. So I went to Wills one day, and I'm like, when it's on this side, we're not going to force. Let's just go in a box. We're playing four on four. Brett Hull's out here pissed off because it's not over there. I approached every player like that in the league, and I went, I know what he wants to do first, and I'm going to get him to do a second thing as much as I could. So, And then they get to know you. And so when I could get Michelle Goulet to come down, who could shoot the puck when he was playing in Quebec, and then and he'd get frustrated. Gretz was the worst. I could frustrate Gretz. Like, he would always bitch about it. He goes, get the fuck out of the way. Move. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and even on the passes. Like, I get, Gretz is a pass-first guy. That's that's his thing. He wants to pass first. And so we get to a certain point, and I, if it was a two-on-one, I'd go take that away. I'd make him do it. 
And then he he complained about a couple, and I'm like, okay, I got him, I got him thinking, which I you never get him. I mean, I I didn't get him, I didn't mean it like that. And then what he did next time he came back, and I was kind of holding the line, I saw it, and I saw it when I got to the bench, I I saw it in my head when I got back to the bench. He looked to make a pass, and he shot it right off my skate. I I, just, I took the pass away. I was right where I was supposed to be, but he didn't try to hit his skate. The other guy, whoever it was, he just shot it right in my left foot, ricocheted in. He skated behind the net, and he goes. Got you, didn't I? And I said, I said, yeah. And there's nothing I could say. I mean, you know, it was in my first or second year, but you know, I. But there are goalies that don't like it. You know, what I mean, so you, Eddie Belfort, Eddie made a comment in the paper one day after a game, and, and the game didn't go well for Ed. And I just remember Eddie saying, you know, it'd be different if I didn't have to look to all our defensemen. And we had got Hatcher and Matt Fachuk and Sador. All we all blocked shots. And I went and sat in the room with Eddie and video thing. And I said, listen, I said, here's, you're only going to get 15, 18 shots a game, but I understand like, let's, let's come to an agreement. If it's here, I'm up. I ain't doing that. You know, if it's out here, you come out, challenge, do your kind of thing. So you can have tendencies on both sides of the, of the puck, you know? And, and so I, I think for me, as far as the blocking shot things went, when I played with a different goalie, it was different. Cause some of them guys are like, take all you want, man, take them all, <laughs> you know? And then I probably got too aggressive, to be honest with you. I was trying to block everything and that, and then it'd go off you, but you live and die with it because there's a lot of them that go in and I would turn and I'd say, Dude, that's on me. I'll take responsibility for it right away. You know, and then they're all my goalies I ever played with. It's okay. You save more than you you put in, and so that made me feel good. Absolutely. Let's give a quick shout out to a couple of our sponsors. Dooley's good, it's Pub. beer break for guys. <laughs> yeah, and you grab a couple. Um, Dooley's Pub has been and Dooley's Pub does have great cold beer, by the way. Home for all hockey sports fans. Jeez, I'm looking for that non-alcoholic one in here. I don't have any. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and and oh my gosh, this is awesome. Okay, here we go. Well, Claire. Uh, anyway, Dooley's Pub has been a hell of a sponsor for all of Old Claire's Easy sports to get him since rattled. 2005. They're located on Historic Water Street in downtown Eau Claire. Do not miss them. Kelly Heating Electric, dedicated to serving their customers' heating and electrical needs efficiently. They've been named one of Bryant's Medal of Excellent Winners. They provide expert advice from friendly staff that can provide you with knowledge that you need to make the right decisions for your air conditioning and heating needs mode. All right. So, Craig, you played eight years with the Canadians. You won the Cup in 86. What was it like playing in that media-intense market? The first thing... Oh, what was it like? Yeah. It, well, it was similar to North Dakota, though. You know, North Dakota, for me, when I came out of high school, obviously, North Dakota was like, I was a holy, look at all the fans here all the time. And so, sure. yep. you know, you were, I, I think that the media is good for players, maybe not all players, but, but they hold you accountable for the way they want you to play. They expect you to do your job. And um, it was like that in North Dakota. And in Montreal, for sure, the same. Again, <laughs> a little different now, what you see now. These were, I was suit and ties and the nice hats and you know it was like it was like religion there for them and and they knew the game better than some coaches know the game the fans did and so they knew you know and I think for me I was I was fortunate because they appreciated the way that I played and so then we get to and and I'm like man these are great fans here and stuff like that and then we get to when we win the cup and I didn't understand how much championships meant to that fan base and that city and that province until the parade. And we, uh, we jumped into cars and there were two of us per car convertibles. And we went down St. Catherine street, went to the city hall. I believe it was, we went there to sign something. And by the time we got back to the forum, it was over eight hours. And 
Oh, yeah. It was long. And it was Rick Green and I in one car. And the cars were trashed by the time we got back. Now, there was no ropes. There was no security at that time, at that parade. And so the fans were right there. Like, we're sitting this. And so, but they were awesome. I mean, they were I had strip joint owners coming out to bring us bottles of Dom Perignon. I had Holy 19 cow. bottles of Dom Perignon in the bottom of our car when we got there. I looked oh. at Greeny and I'm like, he goes, I don't drink that stuff. You can take it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> 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 but, but, but when I saw how many people were at that parade and the, and the lights in Montreal at the time, there were them little Y shit, you know, the crotches of the light. They would swing out from buildings in ropes and they would sit in the crotches of those light poles up there oh. and they would have people from down underneath throwing them beer. Like, and so when you saw that, I, I couldn't believe the, I, I've never been in a parade like that before in my life. You know, I, we, the, <laughs> the 4th of July parade I've been in here, you know, so that was the first parade in North Dakota it was, you know, cool, but it wasn't like that. We won. The one thing, all of my championships, I mean, none of them have been at home. So everyone's oh, been on the road. Okay. So I've never been able to celebrate like with your fans or anything like that. So, but when I saw that, those fans and how long it took and how much it meant, and then you got to the forum and then you had a whole nother thing in there where they, you know, brought everybody up on stage. So very similar to what we did in Dallas, packed, and the, the place is going nuts. And so, I then I I got it. I mean, everywhere you go in Montreal, everybody knows who you are, and they talk to you. It, it, I kind of, I kind of say it's kind of similar to the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. You know how they when they go out in public, everybody knows who they are, and that's the way. Montreal is just it's unreal. It's it's a tough place to play. I'm sure. I never played obviously for Toronto. You know, there's a lot of talk with some players. I know there's a guy that played in Florida last year, and Radko Gudis and Toronto Maple Leafs wanted him, but he didn't want to go there this year. He's going to go to Anaheim or something like that. But that's he didn't want to play in that environment, I, I guess, is what I hear. But anyway, you have to want to play in that environment, and you have to, whether you can turn it off or adapt to it or whatever. Um, but that's what I remember the most about Montreal and all the years that I was there is that parade and, and that was the first time it clicked to me how important it was for the fans to win there. There was a term you used, I think, with Chelly in one of your interviews. Can't fix stupid? <laughs> well, that's another one. <laughs> well, I was something about guilty, uh, guilty workouts. Playing guilty. guilty. Playing, Playing guilty. guilty. Well, we, that's our code. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Well, that was, again, we all came up in a different era. And... And we, I had coaches like that. Pat Burns was like that, and Barry was like that. They knew. Bob Ganey, who I had for a captain forever, the teammates were like that. I mean, you you knew that if you were going to go out at night, and and when you come back, you better be able to play. And the coach, I had Burnsy one year in the playoffs, and Pat Burns, one of the greatest coaches, human beings that I played for, and I played for a lot of good ones. Bob Ganey is like my Scotty Bowman, but... But Bernsey, I remember it was during the playoffs, and um, called me in after the game, uh, playoff game, and I, I think we won the game. But anyway, and I'm like, ah, shit. I probably didn't have a good game. He wants to talk to me right away, and walked in and just said, sit down. And that's never good for me. It's the whole, you know, <laughs> 2.0 <laughs> coming back again. <laughs> um, he goes, uh, how do you think game went? And I told him whatever, and he goes, what did you do last night? And I was out, and um, and I told him he's a cop, twenty years a cop. We could not get anything past Bernsey. Yeah. He knew he knew how many packs of cigarettes Peter Sabota had. He knew the night before he knew how many beers I had. He knew the kind of beers you had, 
And I, he said, what time did you get in? And I told him. I said, 12.31, whatever it was. And I think curfew was probably 11. And he just kind of sat there and looked. And he goes, you had a great game tonight. Go do it again tomorrow night. Oh. That's exactly what – but that's what I mean. But And he knew that that was like a pass in a way. And so yeah, yeah. I did, but I, I wasn't – it wasn't a 1 a.m. thing. You know, I went out and had a couple of beers. I'm sure he knew about it. But th- those, to me, are great coaches. Those are the ones that know who you are and what makes you tick and how you can – you don't have to scream and yell or, you know, there's different sides. And he kind of knew who I was and how who the other guys were. And But then, when you know, when I moved on, like Mike Keene, one of the – I have no – like that's when we talk about guys Stanley Cups or Hall of Fame. Yeah. Mike Keene should be in the Hall of Fame. Like, in my opinion, but we all have different opinions. But Keener was that kind of guy. Fight for his teammates. I mean, I could go down the line of all the guys that I was able to play with that had that mentality because we were a group. Like, we were a group in Montreal, and we were a group in Dallas. I mean, and that's why when we won the Cup in Montreal, and then Bob Ganey became the coach in Minnesota, and then when we got to Dallas and we had a meeting, and Bo called me in, and just started talking about players. And we had a lot of the same players in Minnesota. And he goes, not dealing with 500 players anymore. And with Bob, he's very cryptic. And I'm like, oh, shit, what did he say? Because Bob, I was a rookie and um, got on a plane back from Quebec. And we were flying to Boston. He had me come back, tapped me on the shoulder, brought me back to the plane, sat next to him, brought a couple beers. Molson was there, obviously owned us. So we had beers on the plane, brought a couple beers back. Gave me a pen and a paper and asked me to drop her a penalty killing. I'm like, What? So I draw something up, and he kind of looks at me, and he looks at the paper, he looks at me, he looks at the paper, and he looked at me and goes, no. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I just pissed off the captain of Montreal Canadiens. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but he was always teaching. He was always teaching. He goes, here, this, this, and this. And <clears throat> so, but Ganey was like that. So we were, I was surrounded by guys that kind of were like me, and but we... You get to know yourself. And I had conversations with him too. And he, he would, when he was a GM or coach, he said, Let's, you're going out tonight? Whenever we got in Minnesota or wherever it was close to home, he goes, Don't be taking so and so with you. And I said, Bob, I don't take them with me. They come along and he goes, That's fine. He goes, Just don't drag them with you because you can do it. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. And I, I knew as I got older, I couldn't do it the same as I did when I was 25. Yeah. But, but a lot of us, that was our thing. We're playing guilty. I mean, and the coaches knew it. Like you didn't, you get there in the morning and the coach wants to talk to you. you instead of, coming up here you stand about five feet back you know then they knew i mean they you know they they know but they want you to know that, that i know that you know that i know kind of thing yeah and and then the right kind of player will dial it back a little bit and and so but we were it's it, i think i found with the majority of guys that i was fortunate enough to play with my whole career they were similar and they understood game day and night before and you know there were the guys that understood that okay i'm gonna leave you know, but they would all come along. You know, they'd all come after practices. I mean, we'd we'd go right across the street or right after practice, and you know, half the guys' dinners at supper time were thrown in the garbage when they got home and with their wives and stuff like that. But it was, but it was. A, I had a speech, my first year pro, and it was: there's three things that we expect from here. We have three rules, and that's it. It's your teammates, it's your religion, and it's your family. And there was a pause. And it's in that order. And I was like, this is cool. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, nah, this is right up my alley. So, and I've kind of, unfortunately, you know, for, and I've lived that way. Like, guys on my team, my teammates, they're my family, you know, and obviously that changes over time. You get older and you get kids and all that kind of stuff. But, but that's, that was part of the playing guilty kind of thing. Like, we come first. 
because we're together more than you are with your family during the course of the year. When you play pro, you're more with your teammates than you are with your, your wife and your kids. You know, that's why most of us have been divorced. <laughs> so you had a great run with the Canadians. Amazing, obviously, winning the cup. But in 1990, they must have thought you were, you were done or didn't have it anymore. They traded it to the Islanders, yep. and that didn't go great. No. <laughs> yeah. um, great group of guys. They were, it was a team that was in transition, and I didn't play well either. You know, I didn't play. I remember Flats coming up to me, Pat Flatley coming up to me, and Flats was the captain. He goes, Let's, you got to speak up more in the locker room. You got to do more. You got to help us out more and all this other kind of stuff. And I, I didn't feel, I wasn't comfortable because I didn't know the guys. So I, I, was, I wasn't good either. And, and I had gotten a call. I, I had gotten a call in the summer and said, Hey, I knew the trade was coming before the trade came. I said, Hey, you're not going to uh, be there anymore. Yeah. I was like, What? And, but, would you be interested in playing for this team? This is goes back to my Scotty Bowman. And I said, absolutely. And so when I went to New York, um, I got that, I got another call and it said, Hey, sorry, we tried to get you, but they just wanted too much for you. <laughs> <I said, "What?" laughs> and, and he said, and he said, I'll call you in the summer. And so, and true to his word, he did. And he goes, you still want to come? I said, yep. And so that's how I got to Minnesota. But, but again, I loved New York. I, I, I lived at Billy Harris's house uh, in Smithtown, and um, the guys were awesome. But it was that, you know, it was, it was just a team that was in transition. I mean, I think, I, I think there was a game, I'm pretty sure there was a game I was minus six in. Yeah. And I, I remember that was one of the, the one thing I remember. No, it wasn't there. Okay. I don't remember. But there, there was something happened with Clarky. Um, but that wasn't that was prior to that. I, remember, I was going to bring up a Clark Gilly story, but he was with the and I wasn't there when he was there. But it was when I was in Montreal. Clarky, I was kind of running around, and and everybody knows Clark Gilly's God rest his soul. One of the nicest guys on the planet. One of the toughest guys too. Right? <laughs> I was a young kid, and I am getting off track again. But Clarky skated up to me in face off circle on our own at one time, and he kind of lines up next to me, and he goes, uh, "Run around a little bit, huh?" And I just kind of looked at him. I looked up at him like, yeah. I kind of said like, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean it like that. He goes, uh, want to get your feet wet? I said, nope. And he goes, settle down then. I said, okay. And that was it. Dropped the puck and I changed. I ain't fucking biting off more than I can chew here. But yeah, no, I mean, again, group, great guys there. Um, everything was good. It just wasn't, we weren't a winning team. And I came from... You know, I came from that environment in Montreal, which the Islanders were, but they were on that trend, right? Yeah. They were on that way down. And in Montreal, it felt they were kind of on that way. And, that, and you know, again, I, I understood. I was so fortunate to say, hey, I played there for a long time. I got a, I got a ring from there, you know, and then it all worked out when, after that. So, All right, quick shout out to some sponsors. Riverside Bike and Skate, Eau Claire's Hockey Headquarters, which is the oldest store in the state of Wisconsin. Buy hockey gear from the people that play and know the game. And don't forget about their bicycle sales and service, as well as your paddle sports center for kayaks and canoes. And also Hertel Law, the law firm you want on your side. Hopefully we don't need him on our way home today. Uh, focusing on criminal defense and personal injury, Harry Hertel has been obtaining results for clients in the Chippewa Valley since 1981. When you need legal help if injured or accused of a crime, call 715-832-4330 
for a free in-person consultation. And thanks to our friends at Market & Johnson, longtime supporters of the great game of hockey and our youth throughout the Chippewa Valley region. And Northwoods Therapy takes pride in being your choice for physical therapy in the Chippewa Valley since 1981. Northwoods Physical Therapy is a clinic where you can receive the care you deserve and are treated like family. Mogi, th- this is why we brought my brother's boat today. They they won't spot Big Blue back there at the cabin. They, this is the oh. good-looking boat. They don't look for that barge that we normally get out there. <laughs> oh, and by the way, just a recommendation. You guys obviously are prepared and do your shit. JC, Mogi needs to do the reads all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't being passed a beer. I think, I think he just got a little rattled. He usually does really well. <laughs> Let's go back to Pat Burns real quick. I got to change the subject. You know, you mentioned he was a cop for 20 years. Yeah. What was his background that he was able to go from a law enforcement officer to an NHL coach? See, I the way I look at those kind of things is that they have the right personality. Oh, I like that. The Mokester wants another one. <laughs> Your wife doesn't listen to this thing, does she? Oh, once in a while. <laughs> She'll listen to this one for sure. I hope that's Thank cool you. enough for you. Yeah. Um, um, what was the question? Sorry, I didn't know I was going to have to do the beer, drive the boat, <laughs> fucking run the podcast, <laughs> critique the reads for you guys. What are you doing next week? We got a couple more lined up. <laughs> <laughs> Just you want me there for entertainment. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, we were talking about Bernsey. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I think that, I think general managers, the smart ones, find the right coaches for the right group of players. And, the, and he, you know, he's obviously had a background, but... But he also had contacts. You know, there there were guys that had played uh, in New York, in the city, and I'm I'm talking for the for the Rangers years ago, and I never thought they were the right players. Knowing a little bit about them, being in a certain environment, I didn't think that was the right environment in New York City for them because they could get distracted a little bit easier. Okay. And I think that when you have a group of guys that are good players, and they might need a cop that has a background in, in that and have contacts and be able to go, I know what you're doing. You know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be the hard ass. You just have to let them know that I know, I know what's going on. And so maybe that, and if you have that right kind of player that, you know, and again, to me, teams and everything else are about personalities. You have to, as a general manager, as a coach, with kids too, you have to know the personalities. You can't. I can't talk like now. When I when I was done, I went and coached our minor league team, and it was in Kalamazoo, and then we went to Salt Lake City. I didn't realize that I couldn't talk. To, and this is back in uh, two thousand or whatever it would have been two thousand one. I couldn't talk to them players the way that I talked to teammates and coaches there, because different different era, different. They're they're not the same. They were brought up differently. You couldn't you couldn't like you could pour things down as you could shove them down our throat and even then and even now now it's even different now when i when i go to try to show something on on the board out on the ice and you know here's our breakout here's what we want to do you'll get two three guys that hang around and they're staring at the board i'm like fuck what was that i was like did as i showed where this guy goes but they want to know why and why because i told that's where you're going to go on our breakout i want you to go up stretch and go across the ice but why do you want me to go up there because I fucking told you to. That's not the way it works. And so you have to get to know. It's similar, you know, different but the same kind of thing as I think when Bernsey came in, 
we all knew, like I said, that conversation that I had with him, I, I better not, uh, he's going to know tomorrow morning when I walk in. So in a roundabout way, he could have come down harder on me or he could have, he could have fined me. He could have sat me out a game, but he knew my personality from knowing backgrounds of people. I think once you get to know the personalities of people, you know what makes them tick and how you get to them. I think that's all part of the game. I think it's a huge part of the game now, knowing how, like, I look at Lindy Ruff in Jersey and got a young team there. You know, he's got a really young team and he did a hell of a job this last year with him. They had a lot of talented guys, but I don't think Lindy's coaching the same way there as he probably did when he was in Buffalo years ago. Like, you know, I think, you know, but that's, you got to learn. And and so I, I think that Bernsey, somebody upstairs, whether it was Serge or whoever hired him at the time, this is the guy. You know, I've seen the way he treats his junior players. I've seen how he holds them accountable, how he gives them a little rope, whatever it may be. And that's not far from junior players are 18, 19, 20, and you got guys here that are 24, 25. They're still the same player at that time. And so I, I just think that with Bernsey, he was able to communicate. I, I think that's what he could. In, in our day, that wasn't normal. Like it was my way or the highway kind of thing. This is how we do things. This is what we're going to do. This is how you're going to play. I think Bernsey came in. He he had a relationship. I, we were in the one other thing that happened with Bernsey is we 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 had lost a game, a playoff game, and I got called in in the office again. And and but but this one, I was like, man, I played pretty good. I you know we lost. It was a close game or whatever it may be. And he was staring at you know a little monitor with a VCA or VCR or whatever it was then called. And he goes, uh, now what you think game tonight? And I told him what I thought. And he goes, okay, come on over here. I want to show you something. I stand up, walk around the back of the table at his desk. He's showing me his fucking water ski school. He's got water skiing. He goes, look at me putting here. So, he, <laughs> But you know what I mean? It, it was that kind of thing. He had, he had a water ski school, and I had a water ski school back here in Wisconsin. He knew I did that in the summer. And so he he kind of knows that. He knows them little tidbits about you, right? Yeah. And, and he just like, okay, we're cool. Don't worry about it. Game's good. Because he knew... I would go back and tell the guys and even uh, the guys that may not know him because he, for the most part, I, I somehow ended up being a pipeline between the players and the coaches. I was a conduit and it was the same way with Hitch. I was in Hitch's office fucking every day, every day of the week. And he was a little bit harder, but he would be too hard on players. So he'd call me in to just relay the mess a little bit differently. I gave him shit, you know, go talk to him kind of thing. And I think that's kind of where Bernsey came from. I think that's why he was hired. I think somebody knew um, the things that he had, that he could get to the majority of players. He knew that there were older guys there that he didn't have to dick around with, but it was maybe the younger guys. I, I think that's that's good management is what I what I think it is. You know, Speaking about coaching, and I just want to get your opinion on this. Uh, there's a coach who was, was fired by the Toronto Maple Leafs a couple of years ago. Um, he had issues with some of his players, kind of throwing them under the bus. He had an issue with Mitch Marner. Um, I'm talking about Mike Babcock and yep. listening to your podcast. Uh, he he embarrassed two Hall of Famers, Mike Madonna and Chris Chelios. So we know he's got that track record. We know Those aren't Hall of Famers. Those are legends. I'm sorry. That's I, a difference. I, I didn't mean to right. disrespect him like that. But, but you, no, you you're right. I mean, correct. I'm just saying that's. I know where you're going. But he, so he embarrassed these guys, and uh, obviously a great coach. Um, now he's got the Columbus Blue Jackets, a young up and coming team. Yep. Is he going to be able to make that change that Burnsy was able to make? Yeah, I I don't know, and, and the reason I say that is because you mentioned young players, and so 
but again, he, he had a come to Jesus meeting, obviously, with somebody in the NHL, more than likely Gary Bettman, and he had to get cleared to come back and all this other stuff. And again, if, if I understand everything that happened, the reason that it was like this was more about what happened to Homer, Holmgren, uh, Holmstrom in Detroit. Like it was a little hard on him, yeah. right? Like he yeah. came out and he publicly said he had mentally abused me. And, you know what I mean? Yeah, mentally. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. He said it was, and I believe that. To me, again, I go back to old school. You can't handle that. You can't, you know, again. So, and I don't know any of them guys in Detroit. So, it wasn't like something that happened in Chicago. Like this, this wasn't a an abuse thing, right? The, right. The, I mean, this was more mental abuse, I guess. Right. Yeah. From under, I mean, I think that's what it all was. And so, I I think that, and he's got a history of that. I mean, old school coaches that that's what they are. But again, I. I don't know because, like I said to you earlier, if you have an older veteran team, you can treat them differently. You do treat them. You have to treat them differently. Younger kids, now you have to, like I was talking about, there, there's different way. But I think that the time that he's had to spend away has given him time to re- reflect on, I should have done this, I should have done that. I'm assuming that there was that meeting, and there were probably more than just Gary in the meeting with him. There were other people in there. And he obviously said all the right things. Um, but like I said, you know, if Columbus gets off to, they play their first 20 games and they're four and 16 or something like that, does the old Mike Babcock come out? Because when you talk to, like you said, Hall of Famers and guys like Madonna and, and uh, Madonna and Chelly and things like that. They don't have a lot, but you talk about embarrassing a couple guys when Mo was sitting on 1,499 games yeah. and don't give him game 1,500, which is another milestone, which not many players get to. And Chelly wasn't going to play in the Winter Classic. Then In his hometown. Yeah, wasn't going to play. And then somebody got hurt or whatever. Then he puts him in the lineup and then doesn't put him on the ice. And then when the game was out of control, apparently he wanted Chelly to go out there and Chelly true form is like, no, no, fuck you. Well, I understand he was having a couple of hockey pops on the bench. <laughs> well, yeah. Unfor- <laughs> you know, fortunately, one, one of his kids was sitting right next to him on the glass and Chelly said, bring it, you know, and, but that's, but again, that's old school. That's really super old school right there. But again, I just think that you, if you want to do that to a couple of young guys, you know, maybe that's a little bit different, but that's why I said these guys are legends. I mean, Chelly and Moore, they're they're going to go down in history. At, you know, the best at their positions. Yeah, and and in a in a in a different era. I mean, you know, when you played against Chelly, you knew if you knew you played against him if you lost, right? I mean, you just knew that. And Mo, Mo wasn't that kind of a player, but Jesus, Mo just you know just kept putting up points all the time, and yeah. nobody could catch him at the time. So, you, you know, there's a couple couple guys there now. It it will be interesting, um, but I do think that, you know, and again, I think management staff there in Columbus has had a lot of rope, and they may be feeling it tugging on their throat right now, and so maybe this is their last swing, and, and they're going to say, listen, you know, we feel that we need this, and, and he can be a little bit more, and he said this and said that. And he's obviously a good coach. I mean, oh, yeah. you, can, yeah. you can't complain Undoubtedly. about the coaching side of things, right? Yeah. Maybe just not the way he's gone about it. And and they've won because a lot of times, I mean, Jesus, we won a cup in, in Montreal. That wasn't Scotty Bowman behind the bench. 
I mean, <laughs> as a matter of fact, the Puddin, uh, his nickname was Puddinhead. So, wow. yeah. So, I mean, and, and I will tell you that there were there were times when there would be meetings and, and the door would get slammed after the coach walks out and it would be like, fuck this guy. We know how to play. Like, leave that there. We know what we're going to do when we go out and play. We know how to win hockey games. Sometimes some of these guys overcoach. They don't need to overcoach because you just kind of look around your room and you know what's in your room and you go, they'll figure it out. Yeah. We got them. We got the right guys, you know, wearing the letters or the right guys behind, you know, you don't have to have a letter to be a leader. You know, there, there's a lot of guys and, you know, the teams that I played on, we, you know, the whole thing about your leadership group is you want that group to continue to get bigger. And I remember we were in Dallas and, and Hitch had said, you know, you know, we got six guys in here. Y'all don't have letters on, but this is our leadership group. And the goal is I want another guy to be in this group in two weeks from now and two weeks from now. And then it got to be about two, three months later and we'd walk into the coach's office and we'd sit down in the room. There were no more chairs to sit at. And I looked at Hitch and I said, Hitch, why don't we just have the fucking meeting in the locker room and bring the guys that are in leadership group and let them sit in here. Let the other four guys sit in here. And he kind of looked at me and laughed and he goes, right where I want it to be. You know what I mean? Because now there were enough guys in that group where you had a couple really big personalities that may not want to buy into what the coach says, but it's the players that are saying it. Because the coach will tell you, he can preach and preach and preach, but when he sits there on the bench and during the course of a game, when he would give shit to somebody about a certain play, but a player stands up and says that, they go, now we got him. They're doing what we want them to do. They've bought into the system. Yep. JC, your question about... What do you do about a cancer in the locker room? Ask them that oh, one. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we always talk about, uh, Mogi and I always ask this question is, if you've got somebody in the locker room that's the cancer, the, the yep. guy that's just not buying into the system or is just the asshole in the locker room. Trade him. Okay. <laughs> that, that's me. That's you. Okay. What, what, what do you now, guys do in the meantime? As a player. You, I, I think you, as a player, you have a responsibility to try to pull him into it. Because, and again, are we talking about a fourth liner? Or are we talking about a top guy? Because a fourth liner, fuck him, and and the GM would be the same thing. He wouldn't be there. I mean, because you're not. Again, we, and I don't mean to demean players because I, I believe that the the success that I had is because we had four lines of four guys, actually five lines, and we had ten defensemen. So I don't mean to put down a, a third, fourth liner or anything like that. But those guys are dispensable. I mean, you can, you know, I can go find another one of you. I mean, you're, you know, you're good. You have a role and you play your 10, 12 minutes and that's good. But when you become a distraction, it's, it's different. Like when, if you want to take a, a top player and back in the day, if you want to take Brett Hull or you want to take Mike Madonna or you want to take Sergey Zubov, yeah, they weren't happy all the time and, but you got to figure out how to make that work because we don't want him to go to another team and do what he's doing to us. <laughs> we got to get him to buy in. Yeah, straighten him out. You know, yeah. because, and it's funny, like I, I mentioned Mo, and <clears throat> Mo's such a good guy. And, and I, again, I can keep going on, but when I was done, after I was in Kalamazoo, Ganey called me. He goes, Hey, I want you to come and, you know, start working with us with the big team. I'm like, Okay. So I go on the ice. And then one day after practice, he says, um, I'm going to get you an office. It was. Okay. He goes. It's gonna be. I mean, it's gonna be upstairs on the other side of where the GM office is. I was like, okay. 
oh, that's cool. And he goes, that way you can go up the back steps out the back of the building, take the steps up and you can go up there. Go, okay. So Lisa, uh, secretary comes down and she goes, what do you want for a couch and TV and desk? And stuff? I said, Lisa, I said, what the fuck am I doing? She goes, I have no idea. And I said, okay. <laughs> so they give me my little things up there. I sit there for two days. He goes, I just want you to have to practice, go up there and sit up there. All right. (laughs) So I go up there for two days and I sit up there. And finally I went, I had the balls to go back and I said, so what am I supposed to be doing? Because I go on the ice with the guys, you know, as a kind of a fourth coach or whatever it is. And then go sit up there. (laughs) He goes, I, because I was wondering when you were going to ask me that. I mean, it's the kind of code it is. Come come ask me. He goes, I told Hitch that if a player's got a problem, they can come and talk to you. And he goes, you decide. You decide if you want me to come to me, meaning Bob, if you want to go to Hitch, or if you want to take care of it yourself. Like, all right. He goes, I'll let the players know. And so he did. And next time I go up there, I sit up there, and all of a sudden you hear a Somebody come in. What's up? Now, these guys I just got done playing with a year ago, Some, most, almost all. What's up? Fucking practices. Jesus, they're too long. He's doing the same drills and all this other kind of stuff. All the shit that we've been dealing with the whole time I was there. I'm like, dude, there's nothing new, but they they had somebody to vent to. Yeah. And so I had this one superstar. I said, I'll take care of it. I'll go talk to him. We can change this. We can change that. Two, three days later, skates around in warm-up, taps me on the pads. I try to catch up. Everything all right? Awesome. Thanks. I never said a fucking word to no one. No one. But I just talked to him, said, I'll take care of it. We'll, we'll figure it out. You know, but but that to me, go back to Burns, go back to Babcock, all that kind of stuff are the smart guys know how to, to get inside there, get inside their minds and get them to buy in. But yeah, with cancer, to me, there's, it depends on who he is, you know, and again, the, the good players, you got to figure it out. You got to find, you got to do every, you got to exhaust everything you have in order to get that guy comfortable and happy. If it, if it's one of the guys like me, fuck, we can get lots of you guys, you know, either buy in or go someplace else. We can send you, I'll, I'll send you to San Jose and you guys aren't, you're not going to see the playoffs for the rest of your career. Is that where you want to go? Like, let's be honest here. And I believe in being honest. Like you're, you play nine minutes a game. You're on the third pair. You're on the fourth line. You know, you get a couple penalties, you kill a couple penalties, but you want to play on that team? That's fine. You're going to be the same player, probably. I mean, who was the idiot that jumped up and down in front of Brodeur all the time? It, uh, oh. oh, yeah, that yeah. clown. Because yeah. Sean, Sean Avery. Sean Avery. Yeah. <laughs> so Aves, Aves was in Dallas, and I'd never understood why he was even there. But but he was cancer in the first week, you know, and it took two, three months and he was gone. Why they brought him in, I know, because one of the guys was a friend of his in the GM. But but again, that's not looking out for the best what your team's all about. Let's talk about your second. I'm never getting hired in the NHL, that's for sure, after all this shit. <laughs> Don't worry, nobody listens to this anyway. <laughs> not after this fucking shit show. Let me tell you. Forgetting your lines, your papers are flying all over the place. we got to stop for more beer. Jesus. That, I am empty. But anyway, <laughs> let's talk about... Oh my gosh. Let's talk about your second cup, Dallas. Yep. Goal or no goal? And I know what your answer is going to be already. <laughs> you got the freaking ring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it must be a goal. I mean, it's, right. we're sitting here. Um, you know what? By, by the rule, by the rule, apparently, and I'm getting, I looked at it, 
But you can go in the, to the crease after the puck does. And Mo shot the puck on net, and it never left the crease. Now, was Hully's skate in there? I think that's the big thing, right? Was it in there before Mo shot it? Um, Mo actually said he was trying to go in to get the rebound, and Hully just beat him to it. Because Mo wanted that goal. And oh, I bet he did. But anyway. <laughs> Who wouldn't have wanted that yeah. game-winning goal, I, So right? by my understanding, but I'll tell you what. I think the proof is it wasn't a goal. I mean, by the law, it probably wasn't a goal because they changed the rule the next year. It was gone. So it, is, it was either too much of a fine line because everything that I've heard, and none of us really care if it's a rule or not, to be totally honest with you. I mean, like, like you just said. But when I, I went, man, I got to look at that. Because and one thing I will never do is I never watch my never watch games never watch I never listen when I was doing TV I'll never I I hate myself so I never watch any of that stuff so I went back and watched and I went well Mo shot the puck Hasek made a save and then Holly went in and tapped it in or put it in unless I saw something wrong but I only watched it one time but then I I heard you know you hear this side and you hear that side you can't be in before the puck gets into the crease. Now you guys have obviously watched it. What's your opinion? I would have said no goal. According just so, by just by watching that whole series. So was probably standing in the crease way before Mo shot the puck you then? Know, Is that what without happened? Without having watched it recently, yeah. I, I know his I know his skate was in the blue. I mean I, I definitely see that. Did he have the puck? I, I don't know. Well here's what you ought to do is ask all of your listeners to go watch it. And then let's all meet up at one of your sponsors' places and let's discuss it. I think that's a great idea. We I could like just it. do a whole. Yeah, we podcast have good ideas here. Should we have so, Dominic Hasek there too? Uh, did you see where where he had to take all of his stuff out of the Hall of Fame in Czechoslovakia because they were closing the Czechos the, the Hall yeah, of Fame there? They they did you see there. that? Yeah. What a bunch of shit. That's, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah. I hope yeah. the I hope the Hall took it here to Eagle River. Yeah. Yeah. No, prob- no, no. <laughs> probably <Toronto>. not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be a big boost in his morale. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. And, uh, another foreigner gets in before I do. Yeah. No. Speaking of Eagle River, yeah. now JC's told me about this iconic pontoon ride with a cup where mm. evidently the pontoons were all the way underwater. Uh, the DNR had to stop you and maybe talk to you about an overloaded pontoon. I don't know. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you guys, you guys. Got lucky enough today. You actually saw the boat as is today. A buddy of mine that had that boat. Um, don't worry, I don't need one. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? The guy goes all the way past me to get a beer and then doesn't hand me one. And it's your um, beer. Holy shit. <laughs> you know, usually you're smart enough to raise it to indicate it's empty. Well, it's always empty. <laughs> um, thank you. Uh you know what? It it was a it was a it was a houseboat. And Kent had had this boat for a long time. And when it happened, it, it, I mean, none of this was planned. No, nothing was planned. And I just said, Kent, I got a bunch of guys here. We've got this thing. He, he, I don't think Kent even knew what Stanley Cup was at the time. But he goes, well, let's take it for a boat ride. So we did. And and uh, I don't think he expected to have 20 or 30 people on the top of it. And it and it it, it was all up there for a picture to start with. Most people were all over the place. Then we thought it would be a cool shot. And then we all got to the front. It was like, hey, move in closer, move in closer. And then, yeah, then it then it uh, it almost didn't go well. Um, but but I'll I'll say this: it did get thrown in the lake, but we had a life jack on it, so eventually it got it got thrown in. But I mean, that was you know it's for all my friends and stuff like that. So, and it's funny you guys got to see it now, and he rebuilt that whole thing over the past twenty five years, and now he's got it as a tiki boat. He's got the little tiki grass all the way around it, and um, now he does tours on it. So, um, and I, it's funny, and I see him on the water, and he kind of follows me for a little bit. 
right? And I'm going, ah, he's telling the story right now. You're that guy right there. Here's what we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Good for him. I mean, it's a small town up here, and we want everybody to. And really, everybody. My dad, my dad actually, my bat, my dad was a badass. Like when he played, I I know that when there was a game, and the the town up here, a big rivalry between them. You know, when he played in the senior leagues, and and us were always Mosini, and so that was always the big one. They always do it here in Great Lakes Hockey League, I think it is. I couldn't even tell you anymore. I don't even know what it is, but it's it was all it's always been a bit of a shit show between these two teams, high school and there. And um, so we were playing Mosini one night in a high school game, and I got kicked out of the game. And I know the referee's name, I believe, was last name was Brown, but my dad was waiting because when you walk up out of the dome, the referee's got to walk down the steps apparently, and you got to come out and come around the corner into the or the lobby is my dad was waiting around the corner and knocked him out right there. Ooh. Laid him right out. Oh, not good. <laughs> but, but what I was going to say about that was when that float, when he built that float, he invited all of the coaches back, all of the referees back, all of those people were on the float that we had in that because I got the cup for the 4th of July parade here in town. So oh, that, yeah, nice. because it, I, I wasn't supposed to, for some reason I got the cup or, or first or some, some couple guys couldn't take it, whatever it was. So they said, Hey, when do you want it? And I, I told them, you know, for that weekend. And so, um, but anyway, it was, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, like, again, I go back to that whole small town thing and the referees and Eagle river and all that kind of stuff, but, um, very cool. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's talk real quick. What was the final deciding factor for Luds to hang up the skates, call it quits? I was, pro- I was going to quit the year before. I, I had been done. Well, what it, what it is is my kids were getting because I got okay. Let's start this way. I was going to end the year before. I thought that was enough. I was at it was twelve. I think it was thirteen years in between cups. Okay. Which who cares if it's three or thirteen? I guess. Um, we were on a really good team. I was fortunate enough to, to you know they wanted me back for another year, um, and then. When it when we won that cup, and I knew that the game was getting faster, I'm smart enough to know that. Yeah, like I said, I never I wasn't good enough to stand up at the defensive blue line. I would back in a little bit. Now I was standing next to Belfour. I mean, when they were coming across center ice, so I'm like, okay, I I know catching on here. Yeah, it's I, I get it. I I outlived. I mean, I never again. I never expected to to be where I was, and I was fortunate to be there. And I thought, you know what? Elway, Jordan, they all quit after their last championship. I thought, shit, there's going to be this big parade for me when I quit. Uh, quit. Eh, no, no parade. But I, when I walked into the room after we won and I asked Smitty, our trainer, I said, hey, can I get your room? And we were on, obviously we were in Buffalo. And I said, can I get the room? He goes, sure. And I said, can you guys go get me a case of beer? And he said, yep. And so I said, bring my kids in and stuff. And so they brought them in there and walked in. They said, dad, you're done, aren't you? I said, oh. yep. I said, let's have a few beers. And then what happened is the following year, I was up here because I was done. I was up here, and it was in uh, December. I was snowmobiling with about six of my buddies, and we were placed in Phelps called the Hooten Bar, and we were having this big one-pound burger, and I got a phone call, and it was Bob Ganey. And that's when he asked me if I wanted to come back to coach. Okay. And I said, yeah, sure. I said, well, I know. I Actually, I said, well, let me, let me see, and let me call you back in a couple of days. Anyway, I said, yeah, I'll do that. And then he says to me, he goes, hey. I'd like you to be there by January 15th, whatever it was. And he says, take your shit with you. I said, what? He goes, bring your gear with you. I said, bring my gear with me. For what? And he goes, well, there's one, you're going to play your first game. 
you got two days, and you play a game, and then you got five days off. I said, yeah. And he goes, we could skate with the guys. I said, I don't want to skate with the guys. I said, I've been doing this shit for 38, 39 years. I don't need to do this. He goes, no, I want you to take your stuff with you. And I said, what? And he goes, I'll call you in a couple of days. And I got in my car, and I took off a couple of days later. And he goes, um, you bring your stuff with you? I said, no. And he goes, oh, I'll have it shipped to you. I said, Bob, I don't want my stuff. I said, why do you want me to take my stuff with me? He goes, I want you to come back and play. Oh, I said, wow. what? And so, anyway, he wanted me to come back. He wasn't he, he wasn't digging one of the defensemen or something like that on the team. And then they went to the finals that next year, too. They lost in New Jersey. And so, and I just told him, I said, Bob, I said, I'll call you. And give me a few days. And I told him, I said, yeah. I said, be honest with you. My kids were just getting in high school. And I said, I'm not at all worried about me embarrassing myself, but my kids got to go to school and go, holy fuck, did your dad get smoked last night? <laughs> he wants me to come back and play in, in February in the middle when guys are in game shape. Yeah. And I could barely move when I was playing. You know, when I was finished, I said, man, I, I just don't want to embarrass my kids. And he goes, I respect that. He goes, no problem. That was it. So, and then they go to the finals and I was sitting in Kalamazoo when they were in the finals when, um, when Jason are not, Ernie scored that final goal in game six, I think it was. I was sitting in Kalamazoo, and they all know that I'm helping coach the Sires minor league team. I jumped up, and I was cheering. And they all kind of looked at me. I was like, oh, shit, I'm Whoops. sorry. I thought I thought <laughs> something else happened. I was happy. And I for a split second, I was happy because I'm like, I missed another cup. I could have been there. Whether I was sitting in the stands or sitting on the bench or, you know what I mean? And so, and I felt so bad when I did that. But, but yeah, that, you know, I was and that, but I, I think, you know, I think guys know, and I've seen, I've seen a couple superstar guys that have hung on. I played with a couple of them that hung on a little too long. And I just thought it did their career disservice. Like okay. be remembered for your 18 years or 19 years or 15 years, whatever it is. And because sometimes they remember your last few things. And, and I, I just remember a couple of those guys and I was there and there wasn't much to remember about me anyways, but I didn't want it to be really bad, you know, especially for my kids. I got one last question for you, and then and then we got to wrap this up. And and that is, it's a two part question. Choose anybody you want to be your blue line line mate, and choose the hardest competitor you faced in front of the net. Oh boy! Hang on, I'm reloading. Yeah, we we got a lot of finishes reloading. <laughs> this is awesome. Okay, the, the uh, I got to go, Chelly, uh, as a partner. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it very easily, I mean, I could say Larry Robinson, which that's a no-brainer, too. That's why I don't like these kind of questions. Okay. Um, nice job, JC. Well, I'm pissing I mean, them it, off yeah. now. If I, if, I, if, I was, if I didn't have an opportunity to play with so many good guys, it would be a lot easier, you know. Um, what was that? Hey, Tudus, we're, we're in the middle of doing a show here. We're in the middle of doing a show here, and you're interrupting. <laughs> I'll catch you on the way back. Sorry, folks. We'll edit that out. <laughs> he looks like Gene Simmons, doesn't he? He does. He does. Yeah. A little kiss yeah. action going on. He, yeah, he used to come up to Montreal and freeload off me all the time. So, he'd come up. Um, so <sighs> yeah, you said a lot of Hall of Famers. It's hard. I mean, you yeah, pick that, that, That's just... why that's a tough pick. The thing about Chelly is Chelly – Chelly's just such a competitor, and 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 again, so so was Larry and, and Zuby Zubov, but I I just think that I had Chelly on the podcast, so there you go. I mean, I haven't had Zuby or Larry, um, so I'll, I'll I would say Chelios. I, I got to pick Chris. I mean, that's the first one that comes to mind. Okay, um, in front of the net, toughest son of a bitch you faced in front of the net, Pro 
Probert. Oh, Probert. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I could, I mean, there's a, there's a host of them, Tockett, you know, and these were all guys that were, you know, tough as nails and, you know, so I, I would, I think Probert, Rick Tockett, um, uh, you know what? I would even throw Yager in there, honestly, because Mario, uh, to me, if somebody were going to ask me, again, I'm off topic again, somebody's going to ask me who's the best player, I'm going with Mario. Like, I know Gretz is <laughs> unbelievable. Mario, for me, was the hardest one to play against because of his size. and and But that's not necessarily in front of the net. So if you're coming into the zone and you get to the top of the circles, his body was so big. And if you got on the wrong side of him by a half a, half a foot, you weren't. You weren't gonna. There's nothing you could do. He could. He could hold you up there. I, I remember uh, my partner um, Bundy, uh, Sean Chambers, oh. and he and he kind of he got he got Bundy in the middle in the middle of the ice, and I was too far wide. It was kind of like a two on two, and so I kind of came over to to try to help out. But Mario had us half a step. I literally and I he was gonna score. I mean I mean you know he's gonna score, right? I jumped on his back. I mean I I tried to grab him, tried to grab him both ways, <laughs> and I kind of pulled him in. And my feet were off the ice, and he still scored. He still scored, and I and I, I remember that play like holy shit, holy crap! Um, that's a strong. So, but, Did he but say just, anything to you? What's that? Did he say anything to you? No, he never said shit to me. Okay. The only thing he ever complained about was the whacking on the hands and the arms. And he was a, I think he was, and, and again, rightfully so. Oh, yeah. He was a, a huge proponent for the rule changes, and he should be. I mean, again, that's one of the best players. To me, he's top two. I, I don't know how you pick between Gretz and him. And then leave on doing numbers, whatever you want to do. Um, but but and I could go in defenseman, but but I just those guys have a legitimate bitch, you know. Because if if they wouldn't have, can you imagine if Gretz and Mario wouldn't have played in our era, how many points they'd have oh, if they played yeah. in this one? Right. They, they would probably say the same thing. I don't know if we could keep up with those guys, but you know, great players find a way. Yeah. You know. So that they were that that yeah. legends. Luds, this has been an absolute pleasure. You took our podcast <laughs> to a whole different level, I'll tell you. I don't you know, know if it's upper take, level or a lower right level. Right into the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> or into the riverbank. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, oh, don't, what up? What up what, uh, yeah, uh, no, see, I don't need the sheet. Oh, I do. you need the sheet. I oh, do. sorry. Boy, there's yeah, going to be a lot of editing. about you, buddy. Are we going to edit right. this fucking Oh, no, we're not. No, we're not. We're going to give each other crap about it. All right. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, please don't forget to give us a thumbs up or possibly a thumbs down on this one. We'll have to see how it goes. But leave a Just comment. turn the paper upside down when you look at it. They're all thumbs up. <laughs> there you go. We need it to stay in the game. It helps us out. Yeah, Craig, we can't thank you enough for having us up oh, here to your place. Pleasure, this is Anytime. amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Probably never see you guys again, will I? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. We're stopping through every time we come to the UP right here. <laughs> Just give me a heads up so I can leave. Okay, sounds good. All right, and also thanks to our audience. And remember our sponsors, Riverside Bike and Skate, Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, Hertel Law, Kelly Heating and Electric, Dooley's Pub, Mark and Johnson, and Northwoods Therapy Associates. Follow us on your favorite social media platforms as well as YouTube. And remember, folks, until next time. Keep your head on a swivel and stay on your inside edges. Now let's start.